Hello, extra time. Point to the league, not to get a hold because it, it damages your reputation. It, it makes people, when they read it, just laugh at you. Single block, they're playing in the league one, and they're playing in the Europa League, and they're playing in the game in this country. Maybe we should get to the Kenny Dan, the man is the Irish team. Welcome to the Extra Time.ie Sportscast, with me, Declan Maron, alone in studio this week. If social media is to be believed, Dave Donnelly's off having a great time on his birthday in... Poland, somewhere, I'm not sure where he is. You can get us on Twitter at ET Sportscast, at Extra Time News on Facebook or Extra Time Live at gmail.com. Now, obviously, you don't want to hear me rambling on for the uh, next 40 minutes to an hour about results. We will pick up all the latest results on the next show when uh, we talk a little bit more about the latest action. But what we've got for you this week is, well, a pair of interviews. Uh, former Sligo and Shamrock Rovers man Richie Ryan, currently with FC Cincinnati. And uh, we talked to Richie a little bit a couple of weeks ago after his previous club, FC Miami had a couple of troubles in the North American Soccer League with registration and it was all very unusual but we talked to Richie a little bit about that. Plenty of you I'm sure will remember what a, a fantastic player Richie Ryan was in the League of Ireland. Uh, one person we talked to a couple of weeks back, Padraig Amand, mentioned that uh, during his time in Portugal he tried to persuade his club Pachos de Ferreira to bring Richie across. So there is a little bit of chat about that in there as well and of course we harken back to some of the glory days for Richie in the League of Ireland as well. And due to a couple of scheduling issues, we were unable really to get together and record another interview. So, step up, ExtraTime.ie reporter Thomas Conway. He was sound enough to chip in an interview uh, of himself chatting to Longford Town's goalkeeper Jack Brady about a couple of postponed games during the recent bad weather. Also juggling his education with playing the game. And as a young enough player, his experience with Longford so far, the community spirit in the league and the potential of a move across to the UK. So we'll dive right into those interviews now and we'll be back next week in studio to talk about all the latest footballing action. Let's go. You can subscribe to each new episode of the Extra Time WWE Sportscast on iTunes. Please give a rating or add a comment there to let us know your views. Now we've got former Sligo and Shamrock Rovers man on the line with us and new signing, of course, of FC Cincinnati, Richie Ryan. Richie, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks. And you? Yeah, in good form now, Richie. Um, congratulations on the move to your uh, new club. Um, it wasn't entirely straightforward, though, the move away from Miami FC. Could you give us a bit of a bit of backstory on what exactly happened with Miami FC and the the sort of league they play in, the NASL? Yeah, it was a it was a difficult difficult off season for all the players involved in the league. It was um, at, at the off season of two thousand sixteen, the the league hit some trouble off the pitch, and then the same happened again this season. Um, a couple of other a couple of clubs from the league had decided to move to to the USL, so it left the it left the NASL in a in a tricky predicament. Um, and then it only last week they they came out and they they cancelled the full season. So it was um it's been in the pipeline for a while for a lot of players trying to move on to other clubs and to to try and stay in a professional environment. Yeah, and the the I believe the US Soccer Federation um, sort of denied them status. Was that just down to lack of members? Because I know a few others have have um, since sort of joined other divisions, and and even a few, I think a few of them um, have sort of closed up. Yeah, I think for, from what it, from what I read on the whole situation, um, the NASL was supposed to meet certain requirements for for two thousand and eighteen to to keep the Division Two status, and apparently they didn't reach them requirements. So. That was why they were they were denied the sanctioning for for Division Two. 
Um, I read in a PC did with the Sun there a while ago that um, as Darius had got it, it wasn't really too much of a concern for you and other staff regarding your wages, which is something I suppose we discuss when we talk about the League of Ireland a good bit. I just wonder, is teams being un- unable to pay wages over in the US um, a bit more of an uncommon issue? Um, yeah, it's it, it generally just goes from club to club. It depends, some clubs pay, like similar to, to clubs back home, some clubs pay for nine, ten months of the year, and then other clubs pay their players for twelve months of the year. So, we were fortunate enough at Miami that they they were going to stand by everybody's contract until until the situation was resolved. Uh, before we move, I suppose completely away from Miami because we've plenty more to get onto. But I just noticed the the great Paolo Maldini was um, a co-owner, and I can't imagine he was about that much. But you were coached for a while, I believe, by Alessandro Nesta. So that must have been a bit of a an odd moment, I suppose. Yeah, that that was it. Was obviously a brilliant experience to be coached by somebody that that's done what what Nesta has done in the game. He's he's won everything there was to be won in the game. So I think as players, we learned we learned an awful lot. From uh, from the way he was every day, the passion he showed for the game, and and tactically, tactically he was a genius. To be honest with you, um, obviously being uh, being with Sligo and being with Shamrock Rovers and, and maybe uh, pl- playing those European games, you would have played against uh, you know big European players. But I guess was was part of the attraction of going to the US, uh, apart from the the lifestyle issue and all that stuff, was it uh, the attraction of maybe uh, playing against the likes of Raul, which you did in the in the NASL final for Ottawa back in 2015? Yeah, I, I think so. Obviously, there's a, you see a lot of a lot of players coming over to the MLS, and even in the last number of years, there's been players coming to the NASL and the USL that are coming to the end, the end of their career, like Raul, Marcus Senna, Joe Cole, Didier Drogba. These are all players that, for players like me, to, to play against is a, is a dream, to come up against players like that. So they, obviously coming over here, it, it gave me the opportunity to to play against players like that. And you mentioned that MLS there was was that ever sort of a, an, an aspiration of yours, or were you kind of content to, uh, I suppose, uh, make your make your career at NASL level? Um, I, I, I've been asked I've been asked that question before, and I think any player wants to play at the highest level, um, and the highest level in America is the MLS. So. If the opportunity had have come up, then it would have been it would have been something I definitely would have wanted to wanted to pursue. But for for whatever reasons over the over the past four years that I've been here, the opportunity hasn't been there for me. You have joined FC Cincinnati now, who um, seem to have a fairly sizable following. To be fair, um, I know we spoke to Eamon Zaid yeah. a while about a while back about playing in the states, and he talked about sort of the big difference it made for him going over there and playing in front of such a huge crowd. Is that is that majorly important to you? Um, it, it, it's not majorly important, but I think uh, as a player, you want to play in front of big crowds, um, and to have the chance to come to to come to Cincinnati to play in front of twenty thousand plus fans each home game is um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a good buzz, especially obviously I, I'm not getting not getting any younger, so to to get this opportunity later in my career to come to a big club with great ambition. It's um, it's an honour to be here.
Yeah, I've spoken to other players who've um, been in a similar situation to yours at uh, at the conclusion of the last season, and they um, they very much felt that you yeah. know the the majority of the USL clubs were kind of looking at bringing in young players and and maybe that one big marquee player. So um, I guess you were fortunate in the sense that Cincinnati seemed to have seen um, maybe a bit of a marquee player in you. Um, very fortunate, like like I said, very fortunate to have the opportunity to come to a club like Cincinnati. Um, sadly. For some clubs in the USL, it does seem to be that they they'll go for younger players um, with less experience, maybe because they they might get that them younger players for less money also, because some clubs over here don't don't want to push the boat out and with there not being any promotion relegation, you're still going to have a team next season in the, in the same division. So it comes down to the ambition of the club and how much money they're willing to willing to spend for more experienced players. And how have you enjoyed the football over there in general um, in all the different clubs you've been in? Because I know um, in the past maybe when you were in England and maybe even when you were in Scotland you um, maybe um, the, the style of football wasn't uh, the, the style that you'd like to have played and maybe the managers wouldn't have had the, the, the same philosophy as you. So in, in your time in the yeah. States and, and in uh, Canada have you, kind of, have, you, have you felt that the style of football really complements you? Um, I've been fortunate that the the managers that I've had since I've came over here have the same have the same beliefs on the game as what I have, and I think that's probably why I've had the opportunities that I've had over here, um, because the the first the first manager Mark De Santos that I had in Canada, he was a very modern very modern coach, and his beliefs on the game were the, the exact same as mine. So I had a great a great time playing for him, and then that offered that offered me the the opportunity to move to Jacksonville, where I was only there for four four months. But um, then to go and play under Nesta, he he was he just wanted to keep possession all the time. Um, and like you like you said, when I when I was in England and, and Scotland, it was a little bit different. And I think the type of player that I am, I probably got shoved a little bit to the side because I wasn't as energetic or as robust as as some of the managers wanted in their teams in Scotland and England. Um, we spoke to Paul Gammon a couple of, uh, a, well, a few weeks ago actually on on the podcast after he um, scored a goal against uh, yeah. Tottenham Hotspur in the in the cup, and um, yeah. he he mentioned in his time in Portugal in Pachos de Ferreira he um, made a big sort of a uh, case to the club to. That look to bring you in as a kind of the one player from from the League of Ireland that he'd really uh, think would suit Portuguese football. Um, I was just wondering, did did you know much about that at the time, or was he consulting with you about that? And were you maybe disappointed it didn't turn out? Disappointed he didn't consult with me. <laughs> no, I, I I didn't. I'd heard a whisper about it, um, but there was never. I never really knew of any any concrete interest from from Portugal. But um, obviously that. I'd say the style of football over there would probably would would have suited me better than than taking the move that I took to Scotland. Mm-hmm. And uh, I suppose you, you you've mentioned being fortunate a good few times in this interview, and you you're obviously very fortunate yeah. to work under Paul Cook at Sligo Rovers, a manager who probably was on the exact same wavelength as yeah. you, and a, a manager who really um, saw the potential in you to really to really run his team. Yeah, Cook Cookie was Cookie was brilliant. He was. He was probably a big part, a big part of me continuing to play football. To be honest, um, because after after I'd had a couple of bad years in in England and and a, an average year to say the least in Belgium, um, when I came back to Ireland, Cookie Cookie sort of gave me the life 
um, on the love back for back for the game and the way he wanted to play, it it benefited me as well. And obviously at that moment at Sligo we had a we had a good squad of players and we we had a lot of success over the over the three and a half years I was there. So I owe a lot to Cookie and it's great to it's great to see him doing so well now at mm. at a very good level in in England. And it's interesting to talk to you at this point in your career where you've um, you've been one of maybe relatively few players, we're seeing more of them now, but relatively few Irish players uh, or players in the League of Ireland even who um, you know, are, are, are looking for moves outside of just the UK or maybe Scotland. Um, uh, do you, is there a part of you that feels maybe that you know, going and playing continental European football earlier in your career may have sort of uh, may have been the making of you in a way? Um, it may have, and I, like you said, I, I think now it's becoming more frequent that, that players are taking the opportunity to go play in Europe or to go to North America or wherever, rather than just to get across to England or get across to Scotland. Um, because there's a lot of there's a lot of good technical footballers in Ireland, um, and then if they do move to the wrong club in England or, or Scotland, they tend to just fall by the wayside and and end up playing back home or or end up out of the game altogether. Um, so I, I think there's definitely definitely opportunities for for more more players to go into Europe or to North America. Yeah, you've seen the likes of you've played against uh, uh, Patrick McElhenney in your time in the League of Ireland, and you see he's moved to a kind of a, yeah. a lower league in England. Where uh, again, you know, from your own experience, you know, the style of football might not be completely suited to his physique or his his game. So, uh, you know, is it an awful lot more difficult for a player like you who maybe uh, breaks the mould a little bit to um, to get the trust the managers uh, who are I suppose wired to think a certain way? Um, I. When I when I seen Patrick had signed for Oldham, um, I'd I'd spoke to Owen Doyle a couple of times, and Owen was obviously at, on loan at Oldham. Um, but from from what I've heard, he signed for a manager that has the same beliefs as what as what I would have on the game, and he wants the team to try and play. So I think once Patrick gets himself back fully fit from his injury, and I know he scored at the weekend, I think he might uh, he might do really well for Oldham, and it, it could possibly be a good move for him to move to a smaller club where he's going to get loads of games and loads of minutes and a chance to, to prove himself in England rather than going to a bigger club in the Championship where he might not have got them minutes so soon. Richie, a lot of our listeners do like when we sort of harp back to some of the, the glory days and I suppose we're probably guilty on this show at times of neglecting yeah. Sligo a bit. So I um, wanted to talk a little bit about your achievements there and I suppose winning the FAI Cup in, in 2011 must be still high enough in, in the career highlights. Oh, definitely. I think the... Obviously, for me personally, um, 2010 was was a a strange feeling because I, I didn't get to play in the final through suspension. Um, so to to get back there again in 2011 and to win to win in 2011 is very a very special moment in my career. Was there anything else I suppose around that time that that stuck out? Is that is that the the sort of the lasting memory? I suppose the the legacy they got to leave there. That was that was the last game. That was the last game I played for the club. So to win a trophy in your last game is is a nice nice way to leave. I think I'll always remember the the three and a half years that I had there. I think more so 2010, 2011 because we were challenging for trophies and and we had, like I said already, we had a great squad of players that uh, that I I enjoyed playing with. 
And looking towards the future, um, I, I'm guessing that you, you still feel that you have a good few years left uh, in your career. Uh, are you, um, you know, would you have any designs on kind of uh, thinking about life after football or would you look to maybe return to Ireland at some point and play before you finish or have you even thought about it? I try, I try not to think about finishing playing, to be honest with you. Um, it's not, not something that any player looks forward to is, is hanging up their boots, but I think it's important that you have things in place that you can make the transition from playing to where I, I want to stay in the game and I want to maybe go into coaching and stuff like that. So um, I, I can imagine that my playing days will probably finish in North America and then hopefully I'll, I'll be in a position over here that I can make the transition into a coaching job with within a club over here. Or, or if not, then there's always a possibility of, of moving back home. I was wondering on that front, Richie, then, did um, did that ever cross your mind when things were looking a little precarious um, with Miami? Uh, did you ever think a move back here could materialise? It was, it was definitely something that, something that crossed my mind a couple of times. Um, obviously, I, I want to be... I want to be in a professional environment, so I, um, with Miami not being able to, to offer that, I was I was trying to look at options wherever it was possible. And um, before I knew the before I knew the Cincinnati one was 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 definitely going to be on the table. Well, great stuff, Richie. Thanks so much for your time. We look forward to uh, keeping an eye on how the season goes for you. Thanks a million, and best of luck. No problem. Thanks very much, lads. You're listening to the Extra Time Sportscast. So you're listening to Thomas Conway sitting across the table from me Longford Town FC's keeper Jack Brady he's a Balmain man like myself uh, he's a 21 year old like myself in fact I just happened to have grown up with him and he's fresh from the gym protein shake taken Jack you're, you're looking trim uh, you're looking in good form Hi Thomas how are you thanks for having me very excited Well you're, you're always welcome and it's not as if we're not uh, familiar with each other but uh how have you survived the uh, the conditions of the past few days? Not footballing conditions, I can say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, everything's gone well. I mean, I had to come home and forced to come home with college clothes and no training as well. Our match was called off in Donegal with some crack trying to get up to Finn Harps to play against them on a Friday. But uh, yeah, uh, just just happy that it's over to be honest and get back to the normality tomorrow. I saw the fixture and you know immediately it came to mind Finn Harps probably arguably the worst destination in the country uh, weather-wise <laughs> but it just so happened I suppose this storm hit the east now Longford got it pretty bad as well but it's something I think a lot of people don't bear in mind the implications uh, on athletes and that okay you have your matches cancelled that's a that's a given but from a training perspective I mean you missed out in a couple of days training you've just started the season uh, that's kind of crucial at this point is it? Uh, absolutely I mean uh they had they had we had to try and re- rearrange our training sessions around uh, around the weather and obviously it was the same for a lot of clubs around the country uh, from what I understand especially uh, especially because a lot of the players travel to to, to train with teams especially if, if they're part time and a lot of first division players would have been affected like myself for example because uh, with college and clothes and the training and the training having to be rearranged I obviously had to come back back down to Tipperary I, I obviously wasn't able to uh, wasn't able to get back up and train like the, the boys had a fitness test this morning and I had to do mine at home and that's just that's part of it sometimes you know and it's it's just part of the game and you just have to try and do your best to 
to keep up keep up with what they're up to as well so as you said straight back in the gym now but just glad that the snow is finally beginning to disappear finally subsided and it is uh, finally beginning to disappear it brings its uh, brings its own problems with the thaw which I uh, I presume will have further consequences for pitches across the country but things I think slowly uh, getting back to normality and as they do get back to normality uh, we have another League, League of Ireland season kicking off you're in uh, the Longford Town Colours again this year uh, your first team keeper I mean there's probably a weight of expectation uh, around the team. Neil Fenn there. Neil Fenn is there. He came in last year. Renowned enough name in in footballing circles. How has the uh, the build up been this season? Yeah. So obviously we came back in the pre season uh, first week in January, and uh, from from day one, uh, Neil and and Dara and and Jer, uh, had had their plans set set out straight away and. From day one, we literally knew exactly how we wanted to play, uh, what philosophy we were going to undergo, and I think that's that that that's really going to stand to us as the season goes on. He brought in uh, different types of players that are going to suit the way that he wants to play the game. He, he's a total emphasis on, on on complete football, keeping the ball on the ground, and 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 make sure that we're passing and not hoofing it. I mean, he's trying to get away from that stigma, which I, I think does dampen people's uh, ideology of, of the League of Ireland and it's, it's, it really isn't like that and there are some excellent players out there and I'm, I'm glad to be a part of his setup. and since day one in pre-season I think we, we haven't changed our style once no matter who we played against we played against uh, big Premier Division teams like St. Pat's we also played Limerick and we didn't change the philosophy despite the pitch despite the conditions uh, he wants us playing a certain way and hopefully that'll stand to us as the season goes on because I think from from what we see in social media, Longford and and maybe one or two other clubs uh, are 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 being are being uh, tipped to, to possibly win the league and, and get promoted. And I think uh, the way we play could just could help us pinch that. Like so, I think we're good enough. And that that is something. I mean, it's hugely encouraging to hear you say that about the League of Ireland because I mean, I think there is a general consensus. Uh, amongst a lot of the Irish public there is a kind of a lack of interest in the League of Ireland it shouldn't be the case uh, it probably is the case down here in Tipperary seen as hurling dominates the, the scene in that but it really does have huge potential I noticed when I when I went to the City Calling Stadium last year which is your ground up in, in Longford there's this incredible buzz there and as opposed to maybe you know Stadia and the continent you have big empty stands uh, capable of housing thousands of people but the League of Ireland you know the infrastructure doesn't maybe look impressive but you're packed into the ground there's there's a buzz there and there's a real dedication to teams and I mean I get the sense that that is the case with Longford uh, Absolutely uh it's funny you you look you look at the attendances uh, this year and last year uh, they're they're way up on what they have been in the previous years and I think people are really starting to appreciate and understand uh, the quality of the league and and uh, the amount of effort that teams and and clubs are putting in uh, into their teams and I think I think I think it's really starting to show especially in the attendances because uh, since I came into the league uh, I've seen seen massive crowds in, in big stadiums and, and, and a lot of build up around big games especially on social media and it's, it's beginning to become uh, quite, quite a quite a substantial part of uh, Irish sport again and uh, as it was maybe 10-15 years ago and I think I think it's going to be uh, a massive year in, in terms in terms of uh, uh, support and improving uh, the the persona of the league in, in general so especially when I look at my own club now and look at Longford 
the people the people who go to the games and and, and the locals they absolutely die, live, live to die for it like and absolutely love the club and it's it's something that I would have never uh, experienced or grasped when I was younger until I actually uh, became a, a player in the league myself and I got talking to fans and talking to uh, and talking to uh, the groundsmen and uh, player and people who are dedicated their whole lives to the club and it's it's absolutely enormous and it is it really is a big part of of, of people's everyday lives uh, especially in, in towns like 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 Longford and would say Sligo and uh, you know places that that you think you you think would be dominated by as you said the GAA like in, in Tipperary for example like there's obviously no club here but the closest club is Limerick and they're a full-time team and and they obviously have a have a massive following so you see the potential is absolutely there and I, I'm just so glad to be to be a part of it and and, ha- and have the experience Playing it, so. In terms of the the graduates, I suppose of the League of Ireland system, a lot of lot of controversy, a lot of I suppose varied opinion over younger soccer players uh, making the journey across the water at sixteen. Uh, you take a huge risk; things may or may not work out. You lose out maybe on uh, what is quite a good education over here. I mean. You're coming at this from a different perspective. You've stayed in Ireland a little bit longer. You're enjoying your League of Ireland football. Uh, you're marrying your education interests with, with your footballing career, and we'll get onto that uh, in a minute. But when you see players like Shawnee Maguire, etc., uh, making the journey across, does it kind of instill a sense of confidence that the League of Ireland is capable of producing, producing players and they can blossom? Uh, on the bigger stage that the quality of the league I suppose uh, should be up there uh, with that of other European leagues absolutely the, the potential as I said is there for, for it to be one of the top leagues uh, I think investment is obviously a, a massive issue in the League of Ireland at the moment but the quality of player in this country is absolutely outstanding I, I, like I mean there's a major, like a lot of players in this country have the capability of playing at top level in England or, or, and across the leagues in Europe and the standard of players in this in this country, it, it, I don't think at all is is, is far behind uh, level of league championship, league one. And obviously, players got to that got there, and as we've seen, Sean McGuire and he obviously scored two goals yes, uh, yesterday. And as, after coming back from injury, we see that the potential for the players in this country is there to go on, and really push on, and have excellent careers, and outside, outside this country. Now, it's obviously disappointing because. You lose all these brilliant players, and it obviously it can it can really hurt our own league here, and that's the downfall of it. But it's I'm, oh, it's, it's it's amazing to see uh, players that I've played against and actually uh, had had the experience of, of of being on the same field as doing really really well. Uh, like I, I'm looking at say Ryan Delaney. We played Cork in the FA Cup last year, and I'm looking at Ryan Delaney. Who, uh, who who played against me there, and he, he's marking uh, Jan Vertonghen from a corner for Rochdale against Tottenham last week, and you know, and it just shows if you have a couple of good games in this country uh, at, at at the highest level, would say with with the Corks and with the Dundalks, you could really forge out a move for yourself and, and do really really well. And I really really do think that uh, the potential is here for for us for us in this league to excel and and push on. Hopefully. With, with with the with the with the reemergence of of, of uh, investment that that could 
be made possible and I think that's that's where the future lies in this country like so well certainly if you're the, the first North Tip man you'll, everyone will be aware of uh, the other Tipperary presence uh, playing Premier League football or playing in the English League and that's Shane Long he made a very late entry uh, into uh, into English football for instance I mean he started playing with Cork City so I mean it it obviously does serve as a by route so you can like what you're saying is there's huge potential in the league it needs more maybe media exposure I get that sense uh, that's probably do you know kind of what initiatives or how you would go about that endorsing it more uh, obviously they're, they're, obviously we're, I'm looking at a lot of clubs and a lot of work has been done over the last couple of years They've, especially with I think college graduates now understand the game a lot more and they really really understand how to promote it uh, better I'm looking at, at Official pages on Twitter, like say our Longford Towns page, it's credit to them has been f- fantastic this year and last year, and they've really, really worked hard uh, in the last couple of years to improve that. And I've noticed all the clubs, and there's, there's like it's not even, it's not even the quality, but they're, they're you know, people are engaging with it. You know, there's quizzes, there's, there's, uh, there's uh, free, say, for, uh, raffles or whatever, and that's obviously, and that's getting word out, it's spreading the word, you know. And then I think, I think that's brilliant. I think obviously with the emergence of social media in the last couple of years and how, how influential it can be um, I think that, that that's really really made a big difference and I, I think uh, I look at, look at our manager for example and our assistant manager went visiting a lot of, a lot of schools in Longford we'll say is another way of promoting the game and we had, we had a big crowd for our first game of the season against Cove and a lot of them were, were, were school children do you know who, who, who uh, Neil and Dara obviously went to, the, went to the schools and encouraged them to come and they did and I think it's simple stuff it's really just about engaging really well with the community and especially in the vicinity of the club itself uh, and I think that really encourages them to get out and come to the games and it makes a massive difference to us especially in a club like Long- Longford as well where, where we have the potential to do really really well so um, I do think social I don't I do think social media but literally getting out there and getting in the public eye and doing doing your best to promote the game and your own team is is massively important and I think we we have made massive strides in that in the last couple of years a lot of the big clubs uh, in the Premier Division have been really really good at it and the First Division seems to be following it as well and, and I think it's a, I think it's a very good trend Now you mentioned college graduates uh, a couple of minutes ago you're about three months give or take uh, away from being considered in that bracket hopefully mm. uh, you're a student in St. Pat's DCU up in Drumcondra uh, you're currently studying you're working on your thesis and there's a big stack of books <laughs> on the table next to you and I don't even want to look into the content uh, but English and Geography is your your academic field which is quite an interesting quite an interesting mix in terms of subjects uh, and given the the books and the pens and the paper that paper that is there uh, and I suppose I know you already but you're quite an academically motivated individual uh, it's something clearly you enjoy absolutely um, I've seen so many players go across to England at 15 16 a lot of my friends and it just it just for whatever reason didn't work for them and they ended up coming back with uh, no education and no no real no real um, uh, backing uh, to go on and, and, and actually um, succeed outside of the footballing circle making life quite difficult for themselves and they'll admit that themselves and it was something that I really I really said right I, I can't let that happen to me like I really need to really have a backup if football doesn't work out obviously I'm, I'm praying that it does and I hopefully have a, have a long standing career and that would be my ultimate aim but 
from an academic point of view, I've always been driven to succeed in, in in every field that I've been involved in, and I've somehow managed to keep going this far. So uh, I, I will continue. Like I don't like people don't realise as well. Like when you're living in Tipperary and when college is over in the summer. Uh, you're you're living at home, so I'm travelling to Dublin four times a week to to train and 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 to play games. And when I and then when I'm in Dublin from we'll say obviously September to May, when I'm in college, you're literally going from the training field to the back to the books, and it's not it's it's not easy. And I know a lot of players. Uh, in a third level, are find it quite difficult, especially in final year when you when you have thesis and assignments and all, all all different aspects of college life, um, um, making 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 your life extremely busy. Now, I wouldn't have it any other way, but it is it is quite difficult to keep to keep keep both going. And and that is you know that is something I wonder. How do you sustain that? I mean, when you wake up in the morning, for instance, you know you have huge amount of college work to get done you've training to get in later on you probably need a gym session or something like that to look after your nutrition I mean how do you balance the whole thing uh, are you meticulous do you plan out things what's the kind of daily rigour like for you yeah so obviously <laughs> I've uh, taught, taught myself to be uh, quite quite self-disciplined over 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 uh, over a number of years like say when I was, since, since first year in, in, in secondary school I've been travelling up to Dublin to play with Home Farm, St Kevin's Boys, and uh, the whole way through my through my uh, secondary school experience, I had to be so so I had to have such a routine because if you didn't, the whole thing would just fall apart, and you'd be getting up, you'd be travelling, you know, to training, training from eight to ten in Dublin, getting home at half twelve, going to sleep, getting up at six to do your homework, you know, and going to school at nine, you know, and that was a crazy crazy system, but it worked for me and. I think it really, really stood to me because now I'm, I've such a structured outlook on on life and how I and uh, how to organise myself and I really understand. Say if, if I get home from college, if I have a lecture from nine to eleven, uh, and then I have to go training at two, and leave leave for a game, leave for training or a game at two or three o'clock. I, I'm saying I'm saying to myself, right, I have an hour and a half between that period. I have to get something done because I know when I go training, all my all my college friends and all the people in the college, oh, I could do I have the whole evening to do that. Where I don't have that time, so there is there really is there really is a method, and you really have to work out. Right, I have I have a certain amount of time here. I'm this is I have to use it, utilize this now. So obviously, <laughs> things like your social life do suffer a bit, but uh, I was never really interested in, in in going out or anything like that that much. So. I've been balancing my my football with the academic side uh, for for up to this point. So uh, hopefully I can get through the, next, the last three months with the same method. No interest in the social life. I won't come to that <laughs> from personal experience. I'll save you the humiliation. Uh, but um, yeah, so I mean, clearly though, it and I can you know it's identifiable in your words. It generates a buzz for you. Uh, you you thoroughly enjoy the the as I said the rigour the discipline of it and it's fundamentally important is that where a lot of younger players maybe fall to the wayside particularly those who, who go across the water and can't cope with that that sense of discipline uh, that comes with playing in a, in a professional setup absolutely I I think when you're 14 or 15 playing at the biggest clubs in the country like like St Kevin's Boys when I was there for example <laughs> you, you think you're going to be a Premier League footballer like you think you're going to make it to the very top no problem yeah this is a stepping stone you're going to play well you're going to sign for Manchester United or who or Liverpool or, and it, it it really doesn't happen like that and I think I think at 16 or 17 you begin to realise right you're going to need a backup here just in case it doesn't work it doesn't work out and 
and obviously for some players they don't they don't realize that they think they think this this football thing is going to work forever and you're going to make millions and you're going to be living off the back of a 15 year year career and it just doesn't happen and i think there's such a small percentage that can actually make it to such a level that uh that will supply them with enough income for the rest of their lives and i don't think i don't think uh young players uh have realized that up to this point and i think that is starting to change. Um, there's a lot of, uh, say, the FAI and a lot of the League of Ireland working to to establish uh, education routes, especially places like Carlow IT and stuff, where you do need to have a route with your football and in terms of education. And without it, you're looking at retiring at 35, 36, and maybe not, maybe maybe struggling to find a job or or to be incorporated into the workplace because all you knew for your whole life was was playing football so uh, I, th- I think I think it, it does need to change in a, in a certain way and people do need to people and young players not and their parents need to realise that you're not necessarily going to make it to the very very top where you can live off the back of a Premier League player's income because as I said it's not realistic and, and that's something, and I think that's maybe a cultural thing, uh, not just, uh, that is, it shouldn't just be ascribed to soccer, but sport in general. I mean, you know, once a career finishes up, even if you reach the heights of, I don't know, you know, in your case, keepers, Jean-Louis Buffon or something like that, you know, when the career ends, your career ends, and then suddenly that passion is taken away from you. Clearly, you're a guy who is, you know, who's looked forward. You know, I was talking to you beforehand. We were talking about future careers, and that you mentioned maybe ambassadorships, uh, envoys to different countries. You're clearly not afraid to to think outside the box and delve into new territories. Is it something that excites you? The the prospect of, you know, life beyond football. Uh, rather than instill a sense of fear in you, which I think is the case with an awful lot of players. Uh, yeah, I, I think I think uh, being able to being able to have a completely different uh, academic uh, career w- is massively important, especially especially because football it, it can it can make or break you. Uh, I think and. Luckily, I've had a, I've had a very very good experience with it so far. But I don't th- I think it was very important for me when I was picking my my course for college that uh, I wanted to that I decided that I needed to go into something that was completely different uh, to football or sport in general because I think being completely indulged in a sporting uh, in a sporting atmosphere won't stand to you very well in the long run because I think you need to need to have 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 a broadened sense of of society and the world and I've really really uh, really really luckily uh, got got the most out of my college degree and it's it's been a completely different experience for me but an excellent one at that as you said I think people are are afraid to to go down different avenues and luckily I I took a chance with 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 uh, studying English and geography and thankfully I've really enjoyed it and it's going to, it's going to offer me a, a very very good career outside football and I of course I'd be excited by the aspects of life outside off the football pitch but but for now while I'm young and at the at at, at the peak of my powers I think going for going for a career in football is 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 what I want to do for now but as you said massively important to have to have your education behind you 
Uh, and okay, so just before we finish up, and it is, you know, the education, I suppose, is a fundamental factor, but. To delve into something completely different, uh, I mean, interwoven with your footballing career has been the Gaelic football, the GA aspect of life. You've featured on numerous Tipperary underage panels, minors, 21s. You've been on senior panel for a little while. You, you know all these guys. Stephen O'Brien, of course, is a club mate, uh, and you're watching them going out in Semple Stadium. Tipperary football, it's got a lot of traction behind it in the past few years. A lot of anticipation, positive anticipation from them, for them. Uh, do you do you look at that with fondness? I mean, clearly, like you're you're a big supporter. Could you ever see yourself getting back between the six for for a tip, or is that something you just want to maybe leave to one side? You know, it could happen, it might not. Uh, the future is any kind of possibility. Absolutely. Uh, you have listen, to be diplomatic in your answer. No, no, no. I can no. I'd always be honest with my answers and things like this. I listen. I loved. Loved my experience playing with Tipperary underage. So it was an absolutely unbelievable experience, unbelievably professional setup. And in a utopia, I, I, you, you'd love to have gone down a different avenue and played played senior Tipperary and have 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 dived into career into the GAA. But uh, luckily, uh, I was, Kevin Doherty, my manager at Shelburne, gave me my first opportunity in the first team. And since then. I've never looked back, and I've had a very, very good uh, first three seasons in the in the Electricity League. And obviously, I'm only 21, so I, I've a long, I've a long career ahead of me, hopefully. And I think, yeah, it, I think football was always going to be my my number one. But uh, I, of course, in, in an ideal world, you'd love to go back and and play with Tipperary because of the buzz of playing with your with your club mates in your county. It was always a was always an unbelievable feeling. But there'd be nothing like. Do we not like uh, carving out a career in the league of, in the league of Ireland at the very least? And I think, I think that's my ultimate aim for for for, for now. Well, that's it entirely. And 21 years of age, if you were to emulate uh, Buffon, who I mentioned already, you've another two decades ahead of you. So uh, time certainly isn't at a premium. Jack Brady, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you here today. Thanks for having me.